With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Argyle Chat podcast. This is Chris Arrington. I'm standing in as host today. So I'm very fortunate to have a good guest alongside me today. And the guest today is Michael Dunford, the Plymouth Argyle Chief Executive. So, Michael, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Now, obviously, uh, the fans know you well. Um, you, you were with Argyle during the championship days and then returned to the club um, during the summer uh, for a second stint. Uh, I suppose the obvious first question to, to ask you is, you know, how has your return to the club gone so far? Well, nine weeks. I'm still enjoying it. Good. Uh, I was saying you, when I addressed the senior greens... Uh, last week that I've been lucky in my career over 40 years there's only six days I've not wanted to go to work and luckily uh, none of them have been in the, the last <laughs> seven or eight weeks Good. since I've come back mm-hmm. uh, but no I do enjoy it uh, I'm very I'm blessed really to have the job I really like doing and uh, everybody's made me feel very welcome it's a different club from mm-hmm. what I left yeah. uh, and it's a better club mm-hmm. than what I left and uh, there are huge challenges in front of us, but uh, hopefully we'll uh, rise to those and uh, we can make Plymouth Argyle stronger on the field, stronger off the field, and give our supporters something to be really proud of. You're a very experienced football administrator, you've been a club secretary, you've been a chief executive at a number of clubs. How do you see the role that you have now as Argyle's chief executive? What's, what's the sort of fundamentals? Fundamentally, I mean, you've got a manager who's, you know, very switched on, he's committed, he's very focused, uh, he looks after the playing side, so anything to do with what, you know, kicking that piece of leather around, mm-hmm. so he's in charge of team selection, recruitment, his coaching staff, his medical staff, dealing with the media, it's no easy task in the modern day game, I've been appointed, effectively, to run the business on behalf of the board. Uh, whilst our core business has still got to be that vital ingredient which is the piece of green with 22 players on it um, to remain competitive and we want to do that then we have to look to expand the club's ability to raise additional income and that's one of the reasons well the main reason really apart from improving spectator comfort in the uh, Redevelopment of the grandstand project, which I think we'll probably move yes. on to later yeah, in this discussion. So, yeah, yeah I've got a very wide brief. Anything other than the playing side, I will have an input into. We've got some very good and talented staff working with us. Uh, we've got one or two who probably need a little bit of polishing up around the edges, and that will be my responsibility. Naturally, one or two will fall by the wayside, but generally I've been very pleased with the quality of stuff I have to work with and the response I've had from them. Good. Uh, it's interesting you say that you feel the club is a, is a better club now than, than before. Yeah, yeah it's it, far more focused. Yeah. 
Um, you don't realise it at the time. I mean, I'll give you an example. I was at Derby over 20 years and I was part, you become part of the furniture and I could have stayed there quite easily. But I then had the opportunity to go to Everton. So professionally, that was a huge step and one I was delighted to take. But within six months of me being at Everton, I would have considered myself 25% better at my job for the experience of being in other places. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons I think I was asked to come back is to bring my experiences and good practice from other clubs. We don't get everything right at every club I've been at. There's never been a perfect scenario. But if I can bring you know, my experience to bear in key areas of the club's operation, then I think um, I'll be well pleased and the board will be pleased with my performance. Now, obviously, the most important thing is the performances on the pitch, isn't it? And unfortunately, Argyle haven't had the start to the season that any of us would like to have seen. You know, what are, you, what are your thoughts on, on, on what's happened on the pitch so far this season? Well, I think you, it's disappointing, hugely disappointing for everybody. You know, Derek, you know, his staff, the players, everybody connected with the club and particularly the supporters are frustrated. We, we were faced with a similar situation last year. Uh, and that's not to say you're going to gain any confidence that, that because you, I think we're in a second year syndrome where you find with promoted clubs that have a very good initial season mm -hmm. the impact is there you're probably catching people unawares and maybe some of it now is the fact that the opposition are aware of how Argyle play but we're not making excuses it's, it's a difficult time for us you know there are players out injured but you know all, all teams have injuries, but we seem to have an unusually high number of key players out mm. injured. It's not ideal, but no excuses. You know, uh, even when we lost to Peterborough, uh, they didn't really outplay us for the whole game. But the, the league table at the end of the season <laughs> doesn't lie, no. and uh, I hope it lies after the first ten or eleven <laughs> games. I'd like to, you know, egg time, and you <laughs> just turn it round. I'll be quite happy. Yeah as I'm certain all our supporters would be. But I think at times like this, you know, it's easy to criticise the individual or collectively. But this is a time where we've really got to pull together. We've got to you know, develop a siege mentality. Home Park's got to become a, different, a, a difficult place to come and play. Mm -hmm. And um, it, we're all, I say we're all part of this. Uh, it's no good people starting, you know, pointing the finger in a, an accusing way to, against anybody whether it be the manager the players but that's a natural reaction society now is different to what it was 20-30 years ago people are more demanding the use and foul and abusive language is tolerated more now than it used to be that's a pity mm -hmm. um, but I can understand the frustrations of supporters but it's like comments on the independent you know internet isn't it you know you have to be moderate in what you say. You can vent your feelings. There are enough words in the English dictionary uh, available to us all yeah. to vent our feelings. Mm. And one or two, and it was a small minority, you know, go over the top. You know, we're not holier than now. Mm. You know, it's just the fact it's disappointing. They are what they are. We're not we're unlikely to change them but we're very, we are really blessed with the fact that we've got eight, 9,000 regulars who are very fair-minded people alright, critical mm -hmm. and if we do something wrong mm -hmm. 
even off the field, then we're, we're open to criticism, providing we're given the right of reply to give our side of the story. Uh, people will make up their own minds, but uh, it's unfortunate, but we are where we are. There's no point you know, crying about it. We have to you know, roll up our sleeves, battle our way through it, and get up that league table. Now, in this day and age, football clubs change managers an awful lot, but I'm assuming that, uh, that this football club are you know, fully behind Derek Adams. Well, I've not heard any dissenters within the club. I mean, I questioned that when I met with James Brent and Simon Hallett you know, in the summer when I was invited back. You know, last season they stayed very loyal and understandably. I mean, two questions you would ask yourself, and I've been at clubs who've changed managers regularly, that, A, can we help him achieve a better performance on the field? We're not going to be out there playing for him, but I think sometimes, mm-hmm. in terms of adversity, people need support from people within it. And you question, first question is, well, people who suggest a change, well, who else would you bring in? What guarantee is there that they will be able to create, medium and long term, a better situation than Derek has developed so far? And at what cost is it to the club? Because you cannot keep changing managers. You cannot keep changing backroom staff and your playing staff. Season on season, it becomes a very expensive mm-hmm. game. And there's a suggestion in football that you, you know, with your squad, if you worked on a squad of, say, 22, 23, 24 players, whatever it is, for the manager have to have that same message going out week in, week out, you invariably will be changing your squad by about a third in an ideal situation. Yeah. Or, every three years, you change the manager. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's no talk whatsoever of us you know, parting with Derek. I mean, Derek, if you met... I've only been here a few weeks, but you can tell he's an extremely focused, professional young manager... He's got his sights firm, and he takes this personally. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. he looks on and he spends money like it's his own. It's his own money. You know, mm-hmm. um, we try and be supportive as possible with him on on what he wants to do. I don't think there's been a situation, from the evidence I've seen, where the board have actually said no to Derek. Um, but he's he's a canny operator, and he cares. And. <clears throat> You know, there will obviously, when you look at the league table, people will be saying, they're saying the same thing about Martin Allen, Chesterfield, you know, every manager. Mm. But uh, I think at times like this, we just need to stand strong, be convinced, and I think there is a conviction in the club that we are going in the right direction on on and off the field. And okay, it's it's disappointing, very disappointing, but we can get through it. And that's the attitude I think there is within the club. The, the events after the game on Saturday, it was the first time the, the new sort of access to the pitch mm. had been used. And particularly after the game, you know, I think there was a bit of um, touring and throwing between some of the Doncaster players and the fans. And then obviously the, Derek Adams wasn't, um, you know, particularly pleased with some of the comments. Well, no, I, I understand I mean, that. I understand it, that. It, is that. Is that access going to cause a problem? Are, are you going to have to, as a club, look at 
we're going to have to manage it. Yeah. We're going to have to manage it because at the end of the game, you'll you'll get in both sets of teams potentially sort of going through the tunnel and and being on the receiving end of. Well, you'll get you both know. teams going through the tunnel mm. at any given time. Yeah, um, there was friction, mm. but I, d- I don't think the friction was between two. You've got a group of players who you know have lost, mm-hmm. and other ones who are elated. They've yeah. won, yeah. and you know. We've lost another game. It's human nature amongst some small sections of supporters. Whilst we would we would all feel disappointed, and Derek felt disappointed, and Paul Watman and all Kevin, they all felt disappointed. You know, it's that thin dividing line between acceptable behaviour and unacceptable. And as I alluded to earlier, some there's a very small minority of people who let the occasion get on. You know on top of them and the use of foul and abusive language to people if you were walking down the street with your wife or your mother or my wife and my mother would you tolerate being spoken to like that no and there are people who say well it's football it's, it's different well it isn't different it's standards mm. you know but if people i'm not naive and do um, do gooder it's just the fact that i do think people need to just moderate what they say you know uh, but we're a football club we're losing football matches I've been at clubs where it's what we're experiencing at the moment is nothing nothing compared to some of the situations uh, that clubs find themselves in in terms of hostility towards the board or the manager or the chief exactly it doesn't matter who they turn on you know there's an acceptable level of behavior one or two, I think, stepped over that line. Um, we are ha- going to have to manage that area better. It was the first time it's been done. I mean, the first time since 1951. Mm. They've come out, to my knowledge, I stand yes. corrected here, yeah. so, um, anywhere else other than through the grandstand. Mm. Yeah. But you've been down that grandstand like mm. a rabbit warren. Oh, and you get both yeah. two, two players mm. from both teams in there. I bet those they could have fight night and nobody would know about it. Well, producer John uh, came with us down the uh, the players' tunnel for the first time a couple of weeks ago, just before um, it was you know put out of, of use, and I, I don't think he could believe how narrow and steep it was in there. And those walls must be able to tell a few stories of, uh, of bits and pieces that went. Well, on there. yes, nobody <laughs> dare print it. Would they? No, they certainly Some of them. I mean, what's said in the dressing room stays yes. in the dressing room, and same on the team coach. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But I understand raw passion mm. that's what football is all about mm. you know it's about opinion it's about passion it's about emotion it's it's not like any other sport it is quite unique but we have to manage it mm. and we we would just say most of our supporters have been absolutely fantastic you know a in their level of support both home and away and their standard of behavior has been a credit to the club and we don't want a few to upset the apple cart on that but we have to manage it we cannot leave it to chance you know because we, the referee made no report of what happened after the game so we're very lucky there but we, there are areas mm. that we've learnt from on Saturday that we're going to have to take action on and they'll, they'll be implemented before the weekend
Let's move on to the grandstand uh, redevelopment, Michael, because that really seems to be um, stepping up a pace now. The, the, the Mayflower Terrace, the front of that's been, been dug up. The entrance to the tunnel, we were just talking about the tunnel, that's, um, that's gone. Um, there's, there's an awful lot of work going on at Home Park at the moment, isn't there? Yes, well, we've got a tight building schedule. We, we, we plan to be open, or well, the contract uh, dictates that we should be handed over either the last week in August or the first week in September mm-hmm. next year. So there's a, you know, uh, a very tight building schedule. Uh, it's achievable, um, but it gives us a fantastic opportunity. I mean, it's, people will say, well, why are we spending six, seven million pounds on this project? Because, simply because A, our, our supporters deserve better comfort. We are left behind because in 1951, when the grandstand was built, there was no talk of sponsorship or anything like that, corporate hospitalities. You came for your bovril and you mm. got a hot pasty yeah. or a pint of beer outside. That was your lot. Mm. The game has changed now. We're in the entertainment industry and we have to compete with other clubs that have got some fantastic uh, conference and banqueting. Because for a football club, we're open for business probably 30 times a year. That's the reality of it. Mm. But well, 80% of our income will come from those 30 days. Let's never lose that. Yeah. Uh, but off the field, we need to be able to generate additional income to support the team, to support infrastructure, improving the infrastructure. So we make Plymouth Argyle a bigger, better, stronger club for future generations. And I have to say, it's very exciting to be part of that. You know, everybody will have an opinion about, well, perhaps you should have spent 15 million. Well, sorry. Where's the 15 million coming from? Yes. You know, this has to be a very carefully orchestrated project that doesn't, you know, impinge on our ability to trade profitably and successfully in the future. But if we get it right, and we must get it right, mm. the facilities it will give us uh, in terms of banqueting a conference and then events will be second to none in the southwest. You'd have to go up to probably Exeter for Exeter Chiefs and further north. If you go to Brist- those of us who went to Bristol City, mm. they spent £60 million pounds mm. on redeveloping the stadium, thanks to their chairman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic opportunity. Um, we're only into the phase one development at the moment. That'll take us up to around 18,500. We will have the ability to grow on top of that if we progress, as we hope we will do, but one step at a time, and it's a sensible step but we have to make it sweat, we have to make it earn money, and that money is then reinvested back into the football club, both in terms of the team and off-field structure. Mm-hmm. It's, it, when you go up to Home Park a lot of the time, it's, it's very quiet and empty, and presumably one of the, the ideas is to try and make sure that that's a place that people are going to, Mondays to Fridays and things like that. You well, know, you want to make it, I mean, if you think, you talk to outside people about what you've, remember or what do you know about Plymouth mm. you'll obviously get the Mayflower and Francis Drake and playing bowls on the hoe and all those sort of things but the next next thing and probably it may be not in that order even mm. is Plymouth Argyle mm. we have a very good reputation as a football club we're quite unique given the catchment area that we have I liken it very similar to Norwich really mm. uh, and I think they're a very good business model to follow mm-hmm. um, but it does give us a fantastic opportunity you know in terms of the comfort for our own fans and 
greater than we've got. Our job is quite simply to win football matches, to entertain people at a fair price and attract more and more to come. When I came here the first time, we just got promotion into the championship. And I think at that time we averaged just over 16,000, yeah. which was the highest since 1961. Mm -hmm. and that's before Barry Jones even joined us. <laughs> you know, for a, yes. a British transfer record for a fee for a winger. Yeah. Um, but it's strange because the Plymouth public, whilst they're very loyal, I think generally they take more convincing than most people yeah. to get behind the flag. And success breeds success and momentum's a fantastic thing both ways unfortunately it's a very easy division to get out of through the trap door mm. that's an area we don't want to even consider we're realistic enough to know where we are at the moment mm -hmm. but as I say we'll, we'll rise to that challenge I'm certain but it's an exciting time for the club I mean we've got Mayflower 400 coming up mm. uh, we're a big part of that and we're a big part of city life. Um, by 2020, the population of Plymouth is going to probably peak towards 400,000. Um, so it's it's incredibly. Hmm. Sorry, 300,000. 300,000. Yeah. 300,000. 300,000. Yeah. With Sherford and developments like that. Hmm. So um, I, I think it's a good time to be connected with the club. Mm -hmm. And. I think given the history of the club and the, the pain that a lot of people felt and still re recovering from when we went into administration, people would expect the club to be prudent, sensible and spend money. It's easy to spend other people's money yes. and it's easy to spend money you haven't got. Mm. And this club, you know, fell of that some years ago. Um, I know for a fact that the current board, whilst they're ambitious, it will be done in a prudent and sensible manner and I think we're custodians for a short period of time we've got to make sure there's a legacy for the future generations to say during that period the club re-established itself as a respectable football club have good finances available to operate both on the football field and off it and put a smile on people's faces it's a simple game complicated by people sometimes <laughs> it is meant you know, to be fun at times isn't well it, it is fun <laughs> yeah it's still got to be fun yeah. it's fun you know we're, it's fun you know that mm. we're talking about it now mm. you know it's uh, it's not all doom and gloom by any means mm. but uh, you talk to people at five o'clock on Saturday you thought yes. that the end of the world was nigh wouldn't you but uh, and I'm not you know trying in any way to uh, make light of that it was disappointing but we'll move on we're ready for going to Barnsley on mm. Tuesday luckily we've got another home game next week against Wimbledon yep. and uh, we're really looking forward to it you've got unless you enjoy what you're doing mm. you're not as likely to be successful mm. um, so every morning I wake up I want to go to work and I know most of the staff do you know on a match day, most of our supporters wake up and you think, first thing on the morning, I'm going to watch Ireland mm. today. Yeah. I just wish there were more of them, but mm. that will come mm. with better results, better facilities, and attracting people who aren't diehard Argyle fans. We've got to convince them there's something special happening at Home Park. It takes time. It's not going to be done overnight. And I'm not going to sit here and make any false promises. We'll make mistakes as we go along the way, but providing we're open and above board and explain why we've done something, 
you know, we get criticised, we get criticised. You know, that's the nature of the beast. So, uh, yeah, plenty of smiles and plenty of enjoyment. You mentioned that the, the board, Simon Hallett is, is the new majority owner um, that took place recently and, and James Brent will be stepping down as chairman at the end of October, David Felwick uh, taking over as chairman. Um, you know, what's, what's Simon Hallett like? Because, you know, he's put an awful lot of money uh, into this football club and, you know, I've met him a few times and although he's based in the States, um, it strikes me he's very passionate about this football club. Yeah, well, without that invitation to come back, obviously... That all came through the chairman, James Brent. But, you know, we both agreed it would be sensible for me to go and have a conversation with Simon. I've never, apart from the first day he came and I was sitting in the grandstand and I said hello to him. Uh, I didn't really know him and I didn't know his, his lovely wife, Jane. But I spent two hours with Simon and I thought, wow, this guy's really passionate about the football club. I thought he might have been a hard-nosed businessman hmm. looking for... A, to t- a quick turn on his money, so mm. to speak, and I'm not doing being disrespectful to him, mm. but when you speak to him, and I know all the people's, people who go into the Green Taverners, mm. you know, and Jane was here Saturday, she's just come across for a week by herself. Uh, Simon's going to come across again, I think, in late, late mid-November, probably, but uh, he still has to earn a crust out there yes. as well. Yes, You know, uh, he's very, very passionate. He's lived in the States for 37 years, but he... He, he thinks what he's doing is a debt of gratitude and a thank you for what Plymouth gave him in terms of his education and his young, younger years. And I'll tell you what, he's, uh, he is very passionate about it. But he wants it to be run hmm. on a, bit, a business-like basis. We don't want to be picking up the phone every five minutes to him and saying, look, Simon, yeah. can you write another check-out? That's not the way it is. He's been supportive through his... With him and Jane in allowing us to build the grandstand, and that's a legacy that we can look back on in the, over the next 20 25 years that will generate substantial amounts of money for us. And but he's a football supporter, he loves Plymouth Argyle, you know. And you've got a lot of supporters of Plymouth Argyle on the board. And it's like when I appoint anybody or members of staff. First thing, for foremost, is that they can do the job, and I would guarantee them after that, within three months, they're infected mm. with this thing called football. Mm. It's a bit like joining church, isn't it? <laughs> you know, all our efforts, yes. however we strip it out of what is, is focused on that kickoff at three o'clock and the excitement and the uncertainty that all that brings. If we ever lose that, mm. then the game is dead. Mm. You know, and. It's like a vicar preparing all week for his sermon on a Sunday. We're preparing for Saturday at three o'clock. You know, we can have an absolute disaster off the field. Supporters might not notice it. We win 1-0. Oh, everybody. It's great. Really chirpy. You know, we can have a fantastic day off the field. We lose 1-0 in the last minute. We're all a bunch of idiots. That's the frustration. But that's football. That's football. You know, and that, yeah. nobody forces us to do what we're doing. No. We enjoy it, we get well paid to do what we're doing and we'll continue to do it until somebody else tells us, move on and that'll happen eventually to us all. Mm. And But what we want to do is look back at this period and think, well, that group of people that cared for our club, they took good care of it and it made progress. Michael, thank you very much for joining us today on the Argyle Chat Podcast. It's very good of you to spare the time to come and see us. Um, I think we've covered some good um, good areas of conversation there. I hope the, the listeners have enjoyed hearing that. 
I'm off to Oakwell on Tuesday, the long trip up to Sandy. Yes, I'm going to be there, so yes. uh, yeah. I shall see you at Oakwell for the, for the game on Tuesday night. And as Michael mentioned as well, Argyle are going to be at home uh, against AFC Wimbledon at Home Park next Saturday. So let's hope that next time we have the Argyle Chat podcast, uh, we'll have a, a win or two to, uh, to discuss uh, the next time we're, we're here. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. For all the latest Argyle news, head to the Plymouth Live website.